Good morning. All right. You guys glad you came to church today? Amen. I'm glad that I came today too, let me tell you. It's uh, just going to be just a great day, just all around. I'm so excited about the turkey bowl. What? Three people are excited about the turkey bowl. I'm excited about the turkey bowl, and I hope you come out, and uh, if if you're not playing, at least come out and, and, and watch us all in our athletic abilities. And uh, it's going to be a great day, uh, but I'm so glad that you're here. We've been in this series, uh, Q&A series called Headlines, and we've been answering some of your questions, and we're going to be taking some questions live. So if you want to participate in that, uh, make sure you text in those questions or email those to questions at wogcc.com. But before we get into this this morning, um, you know, we've been talking about a lot of great changes, a lot of exciting things going on at Word of Grace. We've got our Saturday night service coming up. Right? Yes. And uh, Saturday is going to be awesome at 6 o'clock, starting this next week. What we're going to do getting ready for that is we're actually going to open up the church every day at noon. We're going to have prayer, so we'd love for you to come and join us. We're going to take that time and just focus that hour every day this next week, Monday through Friday. We're going to focus at our lunch hour here uh, praying and uh, about that. So if you're able to join us, great. If you can't come here physically and join us, then take that lunch hour. I'm asking you, you know, if you would fast a meal and just focus, take that time to pray and uh, bring the service before the Lord because we believe in the power of prayer, and we want to make sure that we're, uh, that we're praying and, and seeking the Lord about this, that we are in His will and doing what He wants us to do. Amen, somebody. So make sure that you come up here on, uh, on Saturday, and if you're able to help, man, we would love for you to help. Uh, we've got a lot of opportunities for you to be able to serve in different areas, and uh, we want you to just let us know if you're available to be able to help us, uh, uh, and, and if you're able to join the, our, our amazing volunteer team that I'm so proud of, so glad to be a part of. There's uh, also uh, another very exciting announcement that we have. Um, as of uh, this week, we have our new worship leader here, uh, new worship pastor, Pastor Stephen. If you would, wave at the people and let them know who you are. I want you all to smother him and give him all your names and phone numbers and your email addresses and all those things and make sure that he remembers all of it. So, but he uh, is joining us all the way from, uh, he, he moved up here from Del Rio, Texas. If you don't know where that is, about five minutes from Mexico. If you want to know how long it takes to drive that, just ask me because I helped him drive it and then uh, went down there to, to help him move. And it was a long drive, but a good drive. And so make sure you go meet Pastor Stephen afterwards. Uh, he'll be... Uh, uh, part of the worship team as of uh, this next week. Thought we'd give him a little break this week since we got in uh, on Friday. Didn't expect him to put a worship set together for Sunday. So that's the only break he gets, though. From so, But anyways, we're glad to have Pastor Stephen with us. If you would, just join me in prayer this morning before we get into the Word. God, I thank you so much for this day. I'm just honored, Father, to get to be a part of what you're doing in this church and what you're doing in the earth, God. I thank you so much. Lord, for this word, I thank you for your anointing, God, to be able to speak this word with clarity and with authority, God, and let it touch the hearts and the lives, God, that are here today, Lord, to where this word can be taken and and heard, but also applied, God, in the lives of these people, so we can all grow and move forward as individuals and as a church and as your body. We thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives and what you're going to do this day in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Um, if you're taking notes today, uh, I want you to write this in as a uh, title, Do Over. And if you're following along on Version, uh, you can follow along on your mobile device or your, your tablet and make sure you follow along on that live over there if you'd like to do that. And don't forget about uh, emailing the questions and if you'd like to do that. But Do Over, that's what we're going to talk about today. Did you ever say that as a kid? Do you ever say that now? You know, like you'd like a do-over. Like whenever I was a kid, the way it went was that if something didn't go my way, I wanted a do-over. So, you know, that's not going to be applicable today in uh, the Turkey Bowl because my team's going to win. So there's not going to necessarily be a need for a do-over. Maybe the other team might need a do-over. But anyways, I say that with all humility. And... um, and uh, yeah, so we need a do-over. Uh, so when I was a kid, something didn't go my way with friends in a game. I'd call for that, but that basically meant I got a second chance. Um, and it erased what I had done wrong with absolutely no repercussion at all. I remember one time that I went to go play uh, disc golf with a friend of mine. And uh, neither one of us were very good. And matter of fact, when we got out there to throw those discs, it was, uh, you know... We spent more time trying to find the discs that we threw at Valrath Park. We were actually spent more time hunting discs, and uh, all of the uh, all of the foliage was just you know in full bloom. And so you would you know we were playing with uh, like a green disc, and you'd throw it, and there'd be like all this green foliage, and be like, great, we'd spend thirty minutes trying to find one. Uh, every now and then we would find someone else's though that they lost, and that was always like a bonus. It was always a plus, very exciting time. Um, but we got to the point where you know we, we were keeping score at first. And then it ended up being, you know what, let's just throw the discs and try to get them in the basket. And that's pretty much what ended up happening in that game. And I don't think either one of us even knew uh, what the ending score was. But, you know, uh, can we have do-overs in life? Can we take a mulligan in life, you know, like we do in golf or like we did that day? (laughs) Can we have a do-over in life? These are the questions that are being asked. Are those things erased? You know, is God punishing me for my sins? Is God punishing me for my mistakes? Does God give us a do-over? These are things that we're going to talk today and talk about today. And I'm, I'm going to specifically answer this question here that was uh, submitted. Can I undo the damage of not raising my children right? You know, we've been talking a lot about... Um, We've been talking a lot about kids and a lot about family, especially during our Out of Order series. We talked about some of those things. And, you know, folks... It, it, can we undo that if we now are hearing things that we've heard maybe for the first time or maybe that we didn't do such a good job in? Because I've heard this a lot um, from p- different people when I was teaching in that Out of Order series. Man, I wish I would have heard that when my kids were little, but they're out of the house. Or, man, I wish I would have known that. And it's almost this sense of, you know, oh, well, I can't do anything now, and so we just pretty much take our hands off of it but can we do something now you know a lot of times i think that we want to step away from that because we feel like it's too late for me whether that be with our kids whether that be in our marriage whether that be in our finances no matter what place in life that we may hear some truth in we want to get excited about it we want to say man this is really good i would love to take this knowledge and this truth and be able to apply it in my life but it's too late for me You don't know my situation. You don't know how bad it is. You don't know how big I've blown it. You don't know what everyone thinks about me. You don't know what my limitations are. That might work for some folks, and you're thinking the same thing about the guy sitting next to you, and he's thinking the exact same thing. This might work for this guy, but it's not going to work for me. 
Let me tell you, folks, that is a lie from the enemy to keep us immobilized, to keep us frozen, to keep us from not moving forward. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to use fear tactics, and he wants us to believe that we can't see anything different other than what we're seeing now, and that that good news, that gospel, that message, that truth, it may be fine for some folks, but it doesn't work for me because you don't know my story. You don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm dealing with. And so I want you to hear this today. No matter if you have a brand new baby or whether you have a child that may be grown and have his own children. I don't want you to just go, well, he's just talking to people who have little kids. Or he's just talking to people because, you know, my kids are grown and it's just out of my hands now. I don't want you to lose hope. Amen, somebody. I don't want you to lose hope. I don't want you to give up just because maybe you've made some mistakes in the way you raised your children and you're just now hearing some of these truths for the very first time and you just throw your hands up in the air and go, oh man, wouldn't it have been nice if I would have heard this back then? I don't want you to give up. So I want you to hear that this way because here's the deal. I want you to write this down. Everybody, everybody has to start somewhere. Everyone in this room, we've got to start somewhere. We can't make excuses. We've got to start somewhere. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's our health, if it's our relationships. It doesn't matter if it's with parenting. We've got to start somewhere because we have to realize that no matter how bad things appear to be, no matter how bad that they may seem, because sometimes we get overwhelmed with how bad things seem that we want to just freeze and don't want to do anything, and we just go, you know what? That may work for some folks. But let me tell you, folks, it doesn't matter where you've been doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter how discouraging of a situation you may feel that you're in. Everybody has to start somewhere. Amen? People go, oh, I've got this big mountain of debt. You've got to start somewhere. People say, oh, nobody in my job takes me seriously. Nobody respects me. You've got to start somewhere. Oh, my kids don't respect me. My kids treat me terribly. Everybody has to start somewhere. My husband won't talk to me. My wife won't talk to me. Everybody has to start somewhere. Have you guys ever seen that, um, that documentary, uh, Supersize Me? The one about the guy that goes on nothing but the McDonald's diet? Have you seen it? Raise your hand if you've seen it. I just want to know who in this room. Wow, a lot of you guys have seen that. You know, uh, that guy, he basically, uh, he went on this uh, nothing but McDonald's food deal where he's going to eat nothing but mcdonald's breakfast lunch supper and if they tell him would you like to supersize that he had to uh you know so he was going to just to see what would happen to his body and as he's watching this uh, as i were, uh, as i was watching this documentary he's really talking about all these health facts and all these food facts about how unhealthy mcdonald's is for you and how terrible it is and you know there were these fries that sat in a jar he put mcdonald's fries in this clear glass jar and like over the period of a month they didn't change at all they looked exactly the same as they looked when they were fresh um, and then he put like the filet fish in that clear glass jar and like two days later it turns like green and like self-implodes and it was you know disgusting and talked about all the weight that he gained from eating McDonald's and and talked about all of the food and eating McDonald's every day and the amount of calories that he ingested and it was just making me hungry Now, a lot of you in this room have seen that documentary, 
but I'll raise both hands and say, I still eat at McDonald's. How about you? How many of you watched the documentary and, st and still went to McDonald's? I mean, it, it, there, there, there may be a few of you that are like true believers that you really changed and all of a sudden your life is just, you know, you, you, I, I still go to McDonald's. That documentary, you know, all it did was make me hungry. Might have changed a few ways that I thought about things, but not much. But here's the deal, is that when we hear truth, when we hear God's word taught, a lot of times we just want to put it to the side or we want to put it on the back burner and go, oh, well, if that comes up or if I could use that, that's great. Or, you know what, if I have another chance to do this or another opportunity. And we don't look at the opportunities that we deal with every day. We don't look at all of the problems that we may be facing, all the challenges that we may be facing as an opportunity to take this truth and apply it in our lives. And so we're just like watching that McDonald's uh, Super Size Me documentary where we'll see this documentary and go, oh, gross, that's disgusting. Oh, look at all those calories. So McDonald's for supper, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I'm kind of thinking the same thing. You know, we can't just hear it and not be doers of it. Matter of fact, the Bible says that in James 1 and 22. He says, don't just be hearers of the word, but you also need to be what? Doers of the word. The Bible says that if we don't do that, if we just hear only, and we just become these big spiritual fatheads with all this information in our head of all these wonderful scriptures and wonderful principles, but we never do anything with it, it says we're fooling ourselves. The Bible says we're deceiving ourselves. Matter of fact, it's the same thing. He said, he said you know, it's, it's kind of like a guy that goes and he looks in the mirror and he's like, oh yeah, and then he turns around and goes, now what did I look like again? says he, he forgets what he looks like. He's like, I'm, 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 I'm aware of that in that time, in that situation, in that scenario. And a lot of times we're aware of truth and we're aware of, the, uh, of God's word when we're in a situation like we are right now, which is in church. When we're sitting in our spot, you know your spot. Ain't nobody better take my spot either. Sometimes we got our spot. We got it all. We, we go to church. We do our church thing. We got our Bible. We got our app. And we got our, you know, we're looking at the live thing and we're doing the thing and the thing and the texting and the thing. And it's church. But when we get up out of these chairs and we walk outside and we get back into the car, it's like we leave truth here. Folks, let me tell you that God wants us to take this truth and do something with it. Amen? He wants us to take this truth and apply it to our lives, no matter what the situation may be, no matter how difficult you may think that it is, everyone has to start somewhere. And what about undoing the damage of not raising, uh, of, of, of raising our children? Uh, there's an old Japanese proverb that says this, says, fix the tree while it's young and pliant, bend the grown oak tree and it will break. Now, of course, it's much easier to fix these things when your children are younger. But, I want you to hear me this morning. We are without excuse for doing nothing, no matter the length of the time of our mistakes. Amen? See, a lot of us want to make excuses. We want to say, well, they're just too old, or too much has happened, or too much water has gone you know, under the bridge. And that's just all it is. Let me tell you, folks, it's never too late to start somewhere. And I want to give you some real practical things this morning. If you're one of those people that say, you know, I've been hearing some of these truths about how I should be raising my children, but man, I sure wish I would have heard this back when. I want to give you some truths today of things that you can do right now. Look at somebody and say, right now. 
Oh, no, say it like you mean it. Say it right now. Mm, all right, right now. Because this is things that we can do right now. I don't care if you've got a five-year-old at home or if you've got a 40-year-old out of the home. Hmm. <clears throat> Jesus, help us. All right. Here's some things you can do. I want you to write these down. Um, First thing you can do is you need to repent to God. Because when we realize that we're in error, when we realize we've done something wrong or have been practicing wrong habits, and that comes to, to light to us, or maybe we knew we were doing wrong. Maybe we were just lazy. Maybe we were just... Uh, you know, afraid that our children would not like us anymore, no matter what the fear was, no matter what the reason being, when you realize it and you're like, I'm ready to make that change, we've got to get to a place where we repent to God. We've got to do that. And that doesn't mean just say, God, I'm sorry. That means to actually turn from that. That means we're not going to go do that anymore. We're going to actually turn from that and we're going to apply ourselves to the way that we know we should be raising our children or the way we should be influencing our children and our families. Second thing, this is a tough one. Write it down really slowly. Maybe that'll help. Apologize. Sometimes we have to apologize when we've done wrong with our children. If we've raised them wrong and we've now realized we did some things wrong. Uh, you know, how many of you guys have ever had to apologize to your kids before? I'll raise both hands because I know I have. I've raised, you know, I've had to tell my kids, you know, I, I, I got angry. And, you know, uh, or either I'm sorry that I didn't keep that promise when I said I would do this or do that. I've had to apologize to my kids before. And let me tell you, folks, it doesn't matter if they're young or old. It doesn't matter if they're grown and have kids of their own. It's never too late to apologize and let them know, hey, I was wrong and I need your forgiveness because I, uh, I, I should have done things differently. I think that we need to step up and be men and women of God that are able to confront ourselves, amen, and to deal with ourselves. And that means that if we need to apologize, that may be something that will help that relationship. Another thing, live your life as an example in front of them, no matter what their age. You say, what can I do? I mean, my kids are grown and gone. Yeah, you can still live your life as an example in front of them. You can still show them what it is to be a good uh, godly man or woman, how to treat your wife, how to treat your husband, how to respond to authority. You can still teach them and influence them and live that godly example in front of them. What does it mean to be a godly man? What does it mean to be a godly woman? What does that look like? You can still show them that even if they're out of the home. And how many of you know that it's important uh, what we do in our house while our children are still in our house, even if we think our kids don't understand what's going on. A lot of times we think, oh, they don't understand what's going on. They don't understand the the real content of this conversation. Yeah, but you want to know what they are picking up on? They are picking up on the attitude in which the conversation you're having And they are watching you and they are gleaning from you and they are watching how you're reacting and acting in this situation. Yeah, they may not understand what was so funny on that television show, but yet the fact that you expose them to that and the fact that they're sitting there watching that, these different things influence and affect the way that children view the world, the way they view you. So we have to be very careful about what we allow to influence our children and what we do and say in front of and around our children because we need to live our lives as, as an example in front of them. Amen, somebody.
And here's the last thing I want you to write down, which is definitely the most important, is start doing what the Word of God says concerning your children. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to do what the Word of God says concerning your children, and you've got to take those principles how, what, of what God teaches, and you've got to apply those in your life of how you are to respond and interact with your children if you want them to have that godly investment in their lives. So repent apologize, live your life as an example, and start doing what the Word of God says. Now, I don't know where you're at in your relationship with your kids. I don't know what's going on in your personal life, so it's not like that everything's going to instantly change once you begin doing these things. But let me tell you, folks, you've got to start somewhere. Amen, somebody. You see, we can't just throw our hands up in the air and say it's too late. We've got to start somewhere, and here's some practical things that we need to do as moms and dads to be able to influence our children and to be able to sow into their lives the Word of God. Second thing I want you to write down today is God's grace gives us the opportunity to walk in truth. You know, when, when we're talking about mistakes, when we're talking about do-overs, we have to understand God's grace, and we have to understand the purpose of God's grace. Because if we misinterpret or we have a distorted view of the grace of God, then we'll have a distorted uh, view of how we should live our lives and how we should respond to God. Because some people view grace to the extreme of, oh, I can do whatever I want and get away with it. Some people view grace to the extreme of, oh no, I need to make sure that I do this right and hold my mouth right if I want to earn and accept His grace. If He's going to give it to me like it's something I've earned, something I deserve. And so you've got people that are caught up in both worlds. But if we have an unhealthy view of grace, then we don't know how to respond to what Jesus did for us. We don't know how to grow and move forward as Christians. And so we'll either get completely lopsided, thinking we can just go and do whatever we want, and grace is there, or we'll get lopsided to the point to where we think everything has to be legalistic, and everything has to be this, 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 and this, or you're wrong, and everything has to be so, uh, so, so, so condemnation-oriented if you don't follow this just to a T. So we can get extreme in both camps, feeling like we have to earn grace because of our good works or feeling like grace is just there just because and we can do whatever we want. But what grace does is it gives us the opportunity to walk in the truth. Grace gives us the opportunity to walk in the truth. Turn in your Bibles this morning to John chapter 1. John 1 and verse 14. John 1 and 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. And of His faithfulness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared Him. Right here, John writes about Jesus, and he says, Listen, Moses, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus was full of grace and truth. 
and we have now received both grace and truth through Jesus Christ. If he is in our lives, if we are identifying with Christ, if his spirit, his life is on the inside of us, then in full measure, we now have received his grace and his truth. And now because of that grace and truth, we're now able to take advantage of the opportunities to be able to set what was wrong in our lives, to be able to set what was misguiding, what was misleading, even our own mistakes. Now we have an opportunity to take that grace and that truth and to correct and to set our lives in order in a way that would please God. You see, does that mean that there aren't any consequences and we just get an automatic do-over? Does that mean that we don't ever have to deal with any repercussions of, of our mistakes? Well, I would love to say yes, but unfortunately, a lot of times we do have to deal with the repercussions of our mistakes. We have to deal with those consequences of our actions. But here's the deal. Here's what grace does. Grace affords us the opportunity to align ourselves with God's truth and allow God's truth through grace to set the course for our lives, to reset, if you will, the course for our lives. Uh, let me show you this in, in the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 and verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. It says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Now understand what Romans 8 and 28 did not say is that God causes all things. He said that we know that all things work together. There are some things in this world that you and I simply make bad decisions, right? God didn't cause us to get addicted to pornography. God didn't cause us to cheat on our wife or lie on our taxes, right? God didn't make us do that. The devil didn't even make you do it. Guess who did it? Boop. We did it. We made those poor choices and those poor decisions, and sometimes because of those choices, we have to reap those consequences as a natural thing of making the bad decision. But here's the thing, that God can take that, that thing that was meant for evil, that was meant to destroy you, that was meant to hold you back and keep you from the destiny that God had created you for, to keep you from the purpose in which he had fashioned you in your mother's womb. Let me tell you this, folks, that those things are meant to, to try to trip us up and destroy us and keep us immobilized moving forward in the purposes that God has for us and for his kingdom. But for those who are in Christ those who Christ dwells in and lives in. He is full of grace and truth. We now have the opportunity because of his grace to take that truth and reset the course of our lives. And God will use those things that was meant to destroy us and turn those things into something for his glory. Have you ever seen that happen before? Have you ever seen that? I've seen that happen before in my own life. Things that I thought were going to absolutely be the end of me. Things that I thought there was no way out. It wasn't that God caused those things. It was my own foolishness. It was my own mistake. It was my own selfishness that did that. It surely wasn't God. But yet God took that and he was able to use that in my life to make me stronger because it didn't destroy me. He delivered me. He's the great deliverer. Amen, somebody? Uh, you know, uh, here a few months back, we had a guy come to our church named Doug Halleck and he spoke at Celebrate Recovery. And he was just a, a living testimony of the grace of 
and the truth of God. Because he got up here and talked about how he was a heroin addict. Talked about how heroin nearly destroyed his life. Now did God make him a heroin addict? Absolutely not. He made those decisions to do those drugs. And there were consequences in his life that he had to face because of those decisions that he made. There were strained relationships. There were all kinds of things in his life that happened as a result of his poor choices. But yet God could take that thing and make it something that could be used for his glory. And he was up here singing songs, uh, talking about God's grace and God's love and God's forgiveness because of what he had been through and the great turnaround that God had brought in his life. Isn't that powerful? I mean, it's just so great to see that God's grace is so rich and is so full that now we have the opportunity to not wallow in our pity, not wallow in the what-ifs, not wallow in the excuses and go, oh, what if, or, or if I would have been, had better opportunities as a child, if I would have been raised up in a different part of town, or if my parents would have better jobs, or if I'd had a different last name, and we make all of these excuses. If this wouldn't have happened to me as a child, if I wouldn't have been abused, if I wouldn't have been talked down to, all these things we want to use to hold us and to keep us bound. But folks, when we are in Christ and he's in us, that grace affords us the opportunity to redo all of that junk that was meant to destroy us. Amen? It affords us the opportunity, but it's, we've got to take the opportunity and we've got to do something with it instead of allowing it to become a roadblock in our lives. Just like the young girl that may have, may have uh, uh, fell morally and may have in high school, had premarital sex and ended up getting pregnant. Yeah, there's a consequence to her action. She now has a, a, a baby at a very early age and who knows what's going to happen with her future. She may have had all these dreams to do all these things and some of those things may have to get put on hold for a season because now she has another life she has to take care of. There's consequences to that, but God can still take that woman and that baby and make something great out of both of them. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you, folks, it is not the end just because you blew it. It's not the end just because of what happened in your past. God's grace is big enough, and his truth allows us to take that and apply it to our lives and set the course for our lives. Amen, somebody. Uh, You ever heard of a guy named Joseph in the Bible? Joseph, the favored son who got the coat of many colors? His brothers hated him. They despised him because his father showed him favor. What did they do to Joseph? They said, let's kill him. Let's throw him in this well. And they did. They threw him in a well. And then one of the brothers starts feeling bad about it. He says, man, I I don't think this is right. Why don't we just sell him? And let's sell him into slavery. And man, here's Joseph now being sold into slavery. And then you think things start picking up for Joseph. He gets a little bit of favor, but then he gets falsely accused and then he gets imprisoned and all of these things happen. You're just like, man, the guy can't get a break. You ever feel like Joseph sometimes? Man, I just can't get a break. What is up with this? I thought this Christian stuff was supposed to be God blessing me. Where's the blessings? I'm in jail. It's what Joseph was saying. What is the deal? What's going on? But he didn't give up on God. And God was gracious to him. And God loved him. And God took care of him. And he remained a man of excellence. He remained a man who was faithful. He remained a man who did not curse God or give up on God. But he stayed true to who God made him to be. And here's what Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50. Some of y'all didn't know Genesis had 50 chapters. Genesis chapter 50. In verse 20, 
This is after he's got delivered out all this stuff because if you don't know the story of Joseph, it's an awesome story about all the junk that he went through and then how God used that for his glory because what ended up happening to Joseph is he was put in a position where he was able to interpret one of Pharaoh's dreams. And because of that, Pharaoh put him as the number two over all the land of Egypt. And there was going to come a great famine. But the way that Joseph had told these guys what they needed to do based on the dream is that they were able to pack up enough food to where when this famine came, there was plenty of food for everybody. And it was just incredible how God took this guy from being in a well, being sold in slavery, being rejected by his own family, to this place of leadership, this place of honor. But it didn't happen overnight. It was something that he remained faithful to God. And as he was facing his brothers, now that he's second in command in Egypt, these brothers come to him because they needed food, because the famine hit them just like it did everybody else. And Joseph said, of course, I'm going to give you food. But here's what he told them in Genesis 50 and verse 20. He said, but as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. He said, listen up, guys. What you thought was going to destroy me, what you thought was going to absolutely wreck my life and scar me forever, not going to let it do it because God took all of that and used it for good. Is that not awesome? God took all of that stuff that you intended to destroy me and used it for good. So let me tell you, folks, right now, if you feel like the devil has just got his foot on your neck, if you just feel like you're being pushed into a corner, if you feel like all of the pressure of this world is about to make you just scream and break and be destroyed, God can take that through his grace, and he can take that and use that as something that will make you stronger if you allow yourself to be submitted to his grace and his truth. Amen. You see, he can take that junk that the enemy meant to absolutely destroy you. So Joseph was in prison, falsely accused, thrown into a well, but it came out to be second in command. It's the grace of God. Next question that was asked along these lines is, how can I forgive myself and truly feel forgiven? A lot of people struggle with that because we struggle with understanding what grace really is. We struggle with understanding what forgiveness really is. How can I forgive myself and truly feel forgiven? I mean, because I've said the prayer, I've done the thing, I've come to church, I've, but I still feel guilty. I feel this weight of condemnation. I don't feel forgiven. What is going on with that? Why am I having such a hard time receiving and walking in? The grace of God. I want you to write this down as your third point. We learn to walk in grace by finding our identity in Jesus Christ. That's where we learn to walk in grace. Is when we find our identity in Jesus Christ. Galatians 2 and verse 20. If you've got your Bible, flip over there real quick. Galatians 2 and 20. says this, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? 
before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing and by faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Have you, surf, have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of the faith are sons of Abraham. He was telling these guys, listen, forgiveness and grace it's not just coming to this one group of people but it's come to everybody and it doesn't come through your works it doesn't come through you following the letter of the law it doesn't come through you just holding your mouth just right and just doing all that grace doesn't come that way forgiveness justification a right relationship with god doesn't come through penance it doesn't come through suffering it doesn't come through good deeds it doesn't even come through church attendance amen it is the grace of God and it's a gift. The Bible says that it is a gift. And the reason it's a gift, because if it was something you and I accomplished by our good works, then we could pat each other on the back and say, look at how spiritual I am. We could do that. And a lot of times we've got to be careful because we put ourselves in that position where we do tell people, look what I did, look at how spiritual I am. At least I'm not as bad as those people. And we've got to be really careful that we don't put ourselves in this seat of works feeling self-righteous and like we're better than someone else. Hello, somebody. You see, forgiveness comes through faith and grace and truth because that's what Jesus was full of was grace and truth. And for me to truly feel forgiven, I have to identify with Christ. It's no longer I who lives. Who I was is dead. Who I was in the past is gone. He doesn't live anymore because that's the old man, the old me who was full of works, who was full of lustful fleshly desires. Now it's Christ who has made me alive. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Not just some things, not just a select few things, but all things. You see, we have a problem with this because other people have a problem with this. Because they want to label you by what you did or didn't do in the past. They want to say, oh, that guy, I remember him. There's no way going to church is going to fix him. There's no way Christianity is going to fix that joker because I remember when. Or someone from your past says, oh, you got religion now? Really? And they want to limit you and put labels on you and hinder you from where you think you're going and what you think God has done in your life. And if we listen to the noise, it will discourage us and keep us back. And that's why we struggle with this condemnation because we have a works mentality. We have a works mentality of, oh, I do this and I get this in return. And we feel like that for us to somehow be forgiven, that we have to suffer or we have to, uh, God has to beat us over the head just enough times. Just do it till you feel good, God. <laughs> or do it till I really feel like I've been forgiven. A lot of times we have this twisted mentality and we have a hard time receiving because we have an identity issue. The reason we have problem, uh, a problem receiving grace is because we have a problem identifying with grace. 
Folks, let me tell you, we've got to identify with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. Think about the Apostle Paul. Think about that guy. This guy was present at the stoning of Stephen. He was there. He was there when Stephen was stoned and he said, I, I, Stephen said, I see an open heaven before me. And here's this guy who loves Jesus, who is out evangelizing for the cause of Christ. And here's Saul who comes and stones the guy and is overseeing this stoning, putting this guy to death. And yet this guy can somehow, after he finds Christ, feel okay enough to write two-thirds of the New Testament? That's pretty powerful stuff, folks. How did Paul do that? How was he able, with a clear conscience, to be able to serve God, to be able to preach the gospel, to be able to write these letters to these different churches, instructing them on how they needed to do things? Yeah, right, Paul. We're not going to listen to your instructions. We remember who you were. We remember when you were Saul. Name change, really? You didn't fool us. It's just one letter. We know who you are. You were Saul, now you're Paul. And I mean, they were afraid at first when he started coming around, when he started showing up. A lot of folks were scared to death because they're like, he's like going incognito, like James Bond, double agent type stuff. He's going to go in there, grace and peace be to you, brethren. Wham! Stoning on you. I, I mean, what was it, some kind of covert op? They were scared. But yet, he still stayed the course. He still taught grace. He still taught mercy. He still taught identifying with Christ. And he used the one who wrote that letter to the Galatians, telling them, hey, it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And it has set him free from those feelings of condemnation. You see, here's the deal. Romans 8 and 1 says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The Bible said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That, so if you're walking in constant condemnation and live a life full of regrets and what-ifs, then you need to open up your heart to the truth of God's grace and His forgiveness. If you're walking around always saying, what if, or oh, I blew it all of the time before you knew Christ and you're making a bunch of excuses for why you can't move forward, you need to understand that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen, somebody? I want, uh, let me help you this morning. A lot of people get these two mixed up, conviction and condemnation. Okay, a lot of people think that, that when they feel like they're worthless, when they're feeling like they're, they're, they're a terrible person for what they've done or what they didn't do in their past, when you're walking around with that weight and, and that heaviness all the time, they feel like, that, that well, that's just God convicting me. No, that God, God's not making you uh, uh, feel these feelings. He's not bringing on these thoughts and all these emotions that you're struggling with about uh, looking for worth. God's not going to make you feel worthless. Amen? God's not going to wait around the corner so he can smack you good. God's not doing all of these things to make you feel bad. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. That is condemnation. When you're walking under that weight, that oppression, that heaviness, like you feel worthless and you feel no good. Do you think that God wants his children to feel like they're no good for the rest of their lives just so they can learn a lesson? That's not 
in his word. That's not what it tells me in his word. What conviction is, is conviction is that knowing. It's, it's the best way I can describe it is it's that scratching on the inside when you're about to step into something or you're doing something and you know you need to step away from it. It's not the belittling and making you feel worthless. It's the warning. So you've got to understand the difference between conviction and condemnation because the enemy will use that as a trap to ensnare you. You see, it's not what I did in my past that defines me, but rather it's what I do today that determines my tomorrow. You see, people want to define you. Sin wants to enslave you and define you. Mistakes want to define you. But God's grace and truth will set you free. Matter of fact, Jesus said this himself in John, the 8th chapter. And in the 31st verse, he said that if you're my disciples, he said, you'll know the truth. He said, and the truth is going to set you free. And if you're free, he goes on to say later in that chapter, he said, if if the Son has set you free, then you're what? You're free indeed. You're really, truly free. You see, faith in grace, that trust in God's grace, that faith and belief that what he did was good enough, that faith in that grace is reconciliation in action. It's that reconciliation in action when we have faith, when we have trust, when we truly put all of our trust and all of our faith in the fact that that grace covers me and the fact that that grace is good enough for me. It's good enough to bring me back to right standing with God and it enables me to walk in the truth and to reset the course of my life. I want you to understand this morning that God wants you He wants you with all of your past. He wants you with all of your mistakes. That's why he sent his only son, Jesus, because he wants you. Some of us feel like Jesus died on the cross out of obligation. Like, really, do I have to do this for those people? Do I have to do them for those guys? Like he had this, you know, attitude about dying on the cross or he didn't really want to do it. No, he willingly did it, knowing. He willingly died on the cross, willingly lived a perfect sinless life, knowing, knowing that you and I would have pasts, that we would have mistakes, that we would bring unforgiveness and bitterness and all these different types of things when we came to know him, that we would be wounded people that were in need of a Savior. He knew that, and he still did it anyway because he wants us. You see... That's why he offers his grace. That's why he wants you to grow in understanding of who he is. That's why he wants you to learn more about him and know who he is and know how much he loves you. Because he wants you to learn to walk in his truth. Because God wants you. That's all he's wanted since creation. He wants us to choose him. He wants us to want him. So here's the deal, folks. Can we have a redo? Can we have a redo? Can can what we've done in our past truly be undone well in a way yes but also in a way no because i want us to remember that we have to take responsibility for where we are and the results of our decisions we have to take responsibility for that but we also need to understand that god's grace is big enough and his truth is big enough to set the path that we walk on to that path of restoration where we can truly be restored amen because a a redo is where everything just completely gets wiped clean and we completely start over. But folks, let me tell you, there may be some things we still have to deal with. It's not that we get to 
completely forsake all of those different things, we may have to deal with those issues and those relationships and those things that have been hurt because of our sin and our past and our mistakes. But because of God's grace and truth, He is going to reassemble and reset and reorder our lives in a way that will please Him because as we allow His grace to influence our lives and His truth to influence our decisions, then we're going to be set in the path that He wants us to. Amen? Because it's His truth that sets us free. That's where we find freedom. It's his truth that sets us free. When we know that truth, when we know how great his love is for us, when we know how powerful Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was for us, it truly will set us free. Because that grace gives us the opportunity to walk out truth. And in God's truth, we find freedom. Not in our works, lest we could boast. It's in his truth. It's in his grace. It's in us identifying with Jesus Christ. It's in us allowing our identity, who, how we view ourselves, being wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You see, he goes on to say in Romans chapter 8, he said that Jesus was going to be the firstborn among many brethren. You want to know who the many brethren are? I'm looking at them. And sisterin. The many brethren and sisters, he said Jesus would be the firstborn among many brethren. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about us identifying with him. You know that Jesus loves you, that he died for you. You know that God loves you so much that he sent his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It's not by my works, but it's by what Jesus did. And I have to receive that grace. I have to receive that forgiveness and allow my identity to be hid and wrapped up in who Jesus Christ is on the inside of me. Amen. And allow that truth to set the course of my life and to help reassemble the different things that maybe I may have made mistakes in. Maybe I may have blown it. I'm telling you folks, God loves us. Amen. Well, if you have any questions, I'm going to go check on those here in just a second. And I'll be right back in just a minute to answer your questions. Love, as I have loved you. What does that really mean? Sometimes it's hard to understand what Jesus meant when he said it, because in the world that we live in, people love us based on circumstance or preference. Like, if I like what you like, you'll like me. Or if I do what you do, you'll accept me. Yet the one that should have rejected me because I wasn't at all like him didn't. Matter of fact, in spite of my imperfections, failures, and flaws, Christ saw something in me that was worth reconciling back to him. So it's no longer I who live, but he who lives through me and gives me the courage to fearlessly love you despite what you do to me or how you treat me at my job, at my school, at my church, even in my own family. So let's not view each other in light of our earthly stature, but more as Christ's ambassadors, showing the world that we who are once blinded to this love have tasted this love and lived to share his love. I believe this. And only this will help put an end to hate and animosity. It ain't no wishful thinking, man. It's his philosophy. And prayerfully, it's our democracy. That if we did, it would change everything.
Got a few questions here. What if your grown child is angry because you raised them as a Christian and they hate it now? In turn, they hate you. You know, here's the thing, folks, that we've got to understand. If we raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, if we raise a child in the way that they should go, the Bible gives us a promise. And that promise says that when they grow old, they won't depart. We've got to hold on to the promises of God because we can't control or, or manipulate other people's decisions, right? Have you found that one out? We can't manipulate other people's decisions and we can't try to control them. Here's what we can do for them. We can stand in the gap for them and we can pray and we can ask God that those things that have been invested in them, that those things, that, 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 they, that, that God be able to pull those things out of them and that they be reminded of those things. The Bible says that his word won't return unto him void. So it's not going to go out and just do nothing. It wasn't for naught. The hard part on our end is that we want to get discouraged because we're not seeing the results or the changes we want to see in their lives. And our position is these things that I said earlier. That's what we need to do. We need to repent for the things that we've done wrong. Maybe there were some things in our lives that we did wrong in that relationship. We need to live our lives as an example. And we need to start doing what the Word of God says concerning them. And that may mean that we love them even though they may hate us, even though they may reject us, but we don't give up on them and we don't give up on the truth that was invested in them. Amen, somebody. And that's a tough spot to be in. And, and whoever you are, I don't, I don't know who wrote these questions in. I, I just get a list of questions. So I don't, I don't know who you are. Um, but right now, I, I, I want everybody in this room to just bow your head for just a minute. Father, I, I don't know who this person is that's dealing with this situation with their child, but you do. And I just want to ask you right now in Jesus' name that wherever that child may be, Father, that you will just, just show them your love, show them your mercy. I ask you right now in Jesus' name that you would show this parent or, or parents what they need to do in this relationship, God, and not give up. I pray you encourage them. I pray, Father, that you just love on them and you let them know that it's not over, that there are things that were invested in their heart, that those things are still there. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bring all things to our remembrance. And I pray that wherever this child is, whatever they may be doing right now, that you would just move in that situation, God, and open their eyes and soften their heart and keep the, help these parents to keep encouraged and keep trusting in you and trusting in the fact that they invested your truth and your love into their children, Father. And we're not going to give up, but we stand with them as a church. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Lots of praying mamas and praying grandmas out there. You know what? Lots of testimonies of grandmas and mamas and daddies and not giving up. So don't give up, whoever you are. Don't give up because God is faithful. pastor my wife asked me what to do when it's truly too late like the suicide of her 22 year old son how does she deal with the guilt that she imposes on herself over his choices you know that's a tough one because we always want to wonder after we do see that someone's taken their own life we want to wonder what what could we have done what could we have said that would have made a difference I wish I would have I, I, I should have I wish I could have Listen, we've got to understand the grace that God gives, that His grace is sufficient for me. We cannot bear the weight 
of responsibility of someone else's choices no matter what the situation may have been. We cannot walk around with that weight of condemnation of what someone else decided to do because God doesn't want us to carry that load and carry that heaviness. What we need to do to move forward in a situation like that is we need to begin to allow ourselves to understand the grace of God for us. Okay? For us. You've got to get to a point. I, I remember when I first started watching uh, The Biggest Loser. It's one of my favorite shows. Uh, when I first started watching that show, they would ask those people that were just, you know, four or five hundred pounds, why are you here? Why are you here? I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing this for my family. And you know, all of those people that never changed, that never made the shift, that were always just doing this for their family, they eventually lost steam and lost momentum. You want to know the people who always won, the people who always stuck with it, were the people who realized, you know what, I, I need to do this for me. I need to do this for me because I value myself. It's one thing that's great to value your family and, and to do things for your family. I'm not belittling that at all. But you've got to get it in your core. You've got to understand that, listen, I've got to do this for me. So I've got to understand God's grace for me. I've got to understand His love and His mercy and His forgiveness for me, what He's done for me. And I've got to identify with what Jesus did for me. Because when that situation is over, there's not a whole lot you can do in that particular situation because the person is gone. And that's the hard part. We can't live in the past. We can't let our identity and our future be shaped by what happened in the past. We've got to let our identity be found and hid in Christ because His future for you is a great future. His future for you is a great future. And He wants to do great things in you and through you. And He wants you to find healing through understanding who Jesus is and how much He loves you. So it's time that you do it for you. It's time that you understand God's grace and love for you. That's how you're going to find healing. That's how God's going to help you through that. There are a few other questions, and, and, and I may look at those and address those later on. And if you want to continue to email in questions, we're still in this series. I don't know how much longer we're going to go in this series, but I do want to make that available. I want to answer as many questions as we can. And I appreciate you guys participating in it because it gives me something to study and preach. So when you're doing a Q&A uh, style series, you kind of have to have a little bit of you know, interaction there. So I appreciate that. Folks, it's very important that you and I walk out of this place today understanding that God's grace is big enough. It's big enough no matter where you've been. It's big enough no matter how far you've gone or how big you think you've blown it. You may feel like you're the biggest sinner in the room. Let me tell you, folks, God can forgive you. God can restore you, and He wants to. And it starts here, and it starts now, because everybody's got to start somewhere. Amen? So bow your heads for just a moment. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Maybe today is the launching point. Maybe today is the starting point where you say, Pastor, today's the starting point to where I need to get my life right with God. Today is the starting point to where I'm ready to make that decision to allow God's grace and His mercy and His love for me and His truth to influence and to change my life forever. I want to identify with His grace, with His truth. I want to understand the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I want to understand his love. I want to understand how much he cares for me. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor, I'm ready to start today.
today is the day of me starting and getting my life right with God. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Today is the day. Everybody has to start somewhere. Everyone in this room has had to make this decision at some point, and maybe today is the day you make that decision. If you're in this place today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm ready to make that decision, I want you to let me know by slipping your hand up and putting it right back down. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. They're in the back. I see your hands. I see your hands. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Church, would you help me this morning by praying this prayer? And I, I want us to really mean it. I want us to really get this. I don't want it to just be words we recite that help us feel better about ourselves or make us feel like we've done something. No, 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 no. This isn't about works. This is about God's love. And this is about faith in what he did being good enough. What he did on the cross by dying for me. So would you join me in praying? Say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come and make my life new. Change me from the inside out. I'll make you the leader of my life. And I submit to you in your ways. I identify with your grace and your truth. And I'll allow it to shape my life from this day forward. And I'm never going back. And I won't let my past, I won't let my past hinder me anymore. I won't let my past hold me back. I won't let others' opinions hold me back. Because my identity is in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer today, please take the next step.